Well, I am. Did I turn this on or turn off? There we go. I am really excited to have my friend. He, he came all the way from India just to see me. I appreciate it, man. This is a. This is Sri Raj, uh, and uh, I'm just going to have you stand up because we have a small enough crowd you can feel welcome. Uh, this is this is Sri Raj. Everybody wave and say, "Hey, Sri Raj." <laughs> uh, just a brother in the Lord. I love him to death. I'm super excited that you could be here tonight, man. I hope that God's word blesses you. Uh, and I encourage everybody to go ahead and open up the scriptures uh, to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter 7 is, uh, is where we are tonight in verses 13 and 14 in a pretty uh, familiar uh, passage. Uh, as you're turning there, uh, uh, share a story of when I was a child. And as a child, probably like a lot of children, I was terrified of roller coasters. Absolutely terrified of, of roller coasters. In fact, it took me to high school in, in order to get, uh, before I got over uh, that fear. But as a kid, we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and I would, uh, or our family would go to this, this theme park called Carowinds. And so they would take the whole family to the theme park, and like most theme parks, they would have a kid section. And in this kid section, they had a kid roller coaster called Scooby Doo. I was terrified of old Scooby-Doo, right? <laughs> Absolutely mortified of Scooby-Doo. Now, here was the thing about Scooby-Doo, and here was the thing about roller coasters in general. I saw people getting off of roller coasters, and they loved it, right? <laughs> they got off roller coasters, and they were smiling, and they were laughing. Roller coasters seemed like such a good thing. But then I'd actually look at the contraption, and it'd be twisted metal and cars flying and going down hills and around loops and that sort of thing. And it looked absolutely terrifying, so, so I was torn. I, on one hand, it looked fun, or it seemed fun by everybody else that was getting off. But on the other hand, it was terrifying, so I was absolutely torn about it. So, so this is how it went down every time we went to Carowinds. We'd go and do our thing, and we'd go to the kids' section, and my mom would have me, and she would say, Nelson, do you want to try Scooby-Doo today? <laughs> and I said, yes, Mom, without fail. Yes, Mom, we're riding Scooby-Doo today. So we would get in line for 30 minutes, however long it was, and we'd walk up that ramp, and you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> we'd be the next person in line, and all of a sudden, something would click in my mind. If I get on that thing, there ain't no getting off, right? <laughs> Once I make this decision, there is absolutely no turning back. And so what I would do is at that point, I'd start crying. No, I'm terrified, Mom. No, please, no. And so my mom would have this like big, whiny, eight-year-old, 400-pound kid. <laughs> and, and she would have to like drag me back down this thing. And it, completely irrational, right? Completely irrational. I can see people getting off. I'm, I'm not going to die on this thing. But what I did is I took the easy way out. I took the easy way out and I made, uh, or I couldn't make the, the right decision. And, and, and when you're talking roller coaster, right and wrong is a little, uh, you know, am, ambiguous. But, but my point is here that I couldn't go through with it. I had a, I had a desire. I had, a, I had an unction. I wanted to do something, but I couldn't go uh, through with it. And, and I couldn't make the decision. And so what we're looking at tonight is, is a passage where Jesus gives us a command to make a decision, right? Jesus gives us a command. He says, you need to make the right decision. But then he explains, most of you won't. He says, you need to make the right decision, but most people don't make the right decision because most people are too short-sighted. He says, you can see the entrance and you can see the path, but you can't see the final destination. 
So the, our decision is not based on uh, where we'll end up, but rather our decision is based on how we get there. And so it's a journey without a destination, which is no journey at all. It's just a wandering. Right, and so that's that's where we get uh, that's where we're going tonight. It's, it's, it's about making this decision. So Jesus gives us these words. Let's read them together. Matthew chapter seven, verses thirteen and fourteen. He says, "Enter through the narrow gate." Right? He doesn't he doesn't give us the explanation and then tell us what to do. He tells us what to do and then gives us the explanation. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now this is the decision. This is the moment of truth. This is, this is the, the critical moment, right? Enter. This is the decision we have to make. This is, this is what has come before us. And, and, Jesus doesn't, and Jesus makes it pretty obvious here. He doesn't, he doesn't give us a plethora of options. He doesn't throw out all these different ways. He says, no, no, listen, there's two gates, there's two paths, there's two groups, and there's two destinations. So you don't have to worry about all these other ways. Now, I was thinking about that this, uh, as I was writing this, and, and I actually was thinking about India. And I was thinking about the fact that in India, there seems to be so many different ways in order to get to where God is. Or at least that's the mindset. There are so many different ways to get to where God is. And Jesus said, that's just not the case. There's two gates. There's me, and then there's every other, every other way, and we'll just call that one gate, right? And so we have just two different ways. And so Jesus says, let me cut out all the confusion. Let me, let me push everything else out to the side. And let me just tell you what to do. Enter the narrow one. Okay? Enter the narrow gate. But then we look at this command and, and, and remembering who he's talking to, remembering that he's talking to Jews that are, that are at this point, this is the beginning of his ministry. These are not hardcore followers of Jesus Christ. He has his disciples there, but there's a group gathered around. These are not hardcore followers. And so they're hearing this for the first time in their life. They are hearing Jesus say this, and it makes no sense to them why anybody would go through the narrow gate instead of the wide one. Why would you go through the narrow gate? See, at first glance, Jesus' statement doesn't make sense. And that's what we're going to kind of do here is we're going to, we're going to look at what Jesus says versus kind of conventional wisdom. And it starts with these two gates, right? And Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. And this is clearly a restrictive entrance, right? That's the point of narrow. It is a restrictive entrance. If we, if we look at it in context of the Sermon on the Mount, we have to say that Jesus is saying he's prohibiting entrance to values and or beliefs that are contrary to kingdom righteousness, what the whole Sermon on the Mount has been about. So what's basically he's saying, it's not easy to come to this gate. It's not easy to come through this gate. There has to be some bending in order to come through this gate. There has to, you have to leave some of your baggage behind in order to get through the narrow gate. You have to be give, willing to give up what you carry and bow down low to enter. What do we call this in Scripture where we give up what we carry and we bow down low? We call this repentance. In Scripture, we call this repentance. And this is the very first thing that Jesus teaches us. When we, when we read the Gospels, the very first message of Jesus Christ, we could turn over a couple of pages into Matthew 4.17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
And so we have this image of repentance. We give up a hold on our sin and we bow down from prideful control of our own life and we enter through the narrow gate. And what is the narrow gate? It is Jesus himself. Jesus is the gate. John chapter 10, verses 7 and 9. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. But here's the question. If we have to bow down and we have to bend and we have to throw off stuff, then why would anyone want to do this when on the other side you can see that there is a wide gate? Right? <laughs> There's this narrow gate that I'm going to have to that I'm going to have to contort my body to fit through. There's this narrow gate where I'm going to have to let go of all these things that I'm holding on to when I could just simply walk over here and go through this wide gate. It makes me think of a uh, of uh, football games and and theme parks and that sort of thing. When Carly and I go. Uh, I'm just run-of-the-mill kind of guy, right? <laughs> so I, I'm just this guy, and, and I'll just follow the crowd, and I'll just do what everybody else is doing. But Carly actually stops and thinks about it a little bit, and she says, okay, why don't we not just follow the crowd? Because this is what happens at football games and, and all, a lot of major events. It seems that the, as, the, as the fans come or the, or the participants come, that they, they go to the first couple of gates that are open, and then the rest of the gates just have one or two people in them. And so Carly has kind of taught me, and, and what we do now is whenever we go to a big something, we skip past the first couple of gates and we walk around to the other gates because they're empty. Why deal with the people? Why deal with the crowd? Why deal with the issues when there is a gate that is easier to get into? And that's the question that the world has to ask about Jesus. This gate is wide. This gate is non-restrictive. Why go through the hassle of a narrow gate? It does not make sense. Moreover, there's more, reason that, there's more reason to question what Jesus is saying. If you're a first-time hearer of this word, there's another reason to question what Jesus is saying. First off, there's two gates, but secondly, there's two paths or two roads. Jesus' statement is only getting more confusing, as you'll see here in a second. The narrow road is a difficult road. In verse 14, we get two words. We, uh, in, in verse 13, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. But when we get to verse 14, he calls the gate small and the road narrow. And the word translated narrow here comes from a word that means persecution. Okay, So Jesus is saying, not only do you need to go through that small gate that is restrictive, not only do you need to go through that small gate where you're going to have to bow down and bend over and, and drop things off, but on the other side is opposition and struggles. Okay, On the other side, what, you, what you're going to see on the other side of this gate is persecution. It's problems. It's hurts. The gate is not an entrance into heaven. And, and I don't know about you, this is, this is maybe the first time in my life that I've, I've really studied this passage. I've heard it a whole lot, but this is maybe the first time I've, I've really studied it. And, and i got to tell you, it's not what I thought. Because in my mind, the picture that I've always had in my mind about this passage is that I'm walking the straight and narrow, right? There is a narrow path, there is a narrow road, I'm walking the straight and narrow, and this straight and narrow leads me to this gate, and I enter through this gate, and I am in heaven, or the vice versa, I'm, I'm you know, on the broad road and I'm all over the place and then I get to this wide gate and I, and I open it up and I am in hell. But that's not the case. It's not the case. It's not, it's not the word order. It's not the actual picture that's being painted. Rather, you start at the gate. You start by entering the gate and the gate leads to the road which leads to life. 
D.A. Carson puts it like this. Jesus is not encouraging Christians to press on along the narrow way and be rewarded in the end. He is rather commanding disciples to enter the way marked by persecution and rewarded in the end. So basically, this is the idea. The gate that you're coming to, this gate, this narrow gate, this small gate that we are coming to, is, is not like a big gate that you can't see through. Think of it more like a chain link fence gate, okay? A little hurricane fence gate. And you can see through it. You know what's on the other side of it. And you're looking through it and Jesus says, enter through this restrictive gate and look what's on the other side. Opposition, struggle, persecution. Go. Have fun. It's going to be a great time. We're going to hang out at the end, right? And so, and so it, it just doesn't seem to, to, to make sense, but Jesus commands us. He says, take this difficult road. We see this over in uh, one chapter or two chapters over to our left in Matthew 5, 11 and 12. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. But here's the three key words because of me. Blessed are you when all these bad things happen, when all these struggles happen, when all these these things come crashing down on you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And what we're seeing here is Jesus is not only the gate, but Jesus is the road. Jesus is the road. He says, I am the way. Remember John 14, 6? He starts that that three-part explanation of who he is. He says, I am the way. I am the road. And he is an against-the-flow kind of road. He is moving upstream against the current. And we are following him and taking a pounding for it. Acts chapter 14, verse 22 uh, gives us a good explanation of this. It says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But again, the question becomes for these first-time hearers, why would anyone want to do that when there is a broad road? Why would anyone want to go down that road when there is a broad road on the other side? I don't know how many of you are Seinfeld fans. I like Seinfeld. Uh, and, And there's this one episode in Seinfeld where Kramer adopts a mile of highway. And in his Kramer thinking, <laughs> he, gets, he gets paint thinner and he, he completely wipes out the center stripe for his mile of highway. And so after he wipes out the center stripe, it's just one big road and he's all over the place, boy. I mean, he, he is just driving. He's like, oh, yeah, this is so comfortable. This is, this is so good. And that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the picture here. There is apparent ease in in the broad road. There is apparent comfort in the broad road. There is apparent freedom in the broad road. Boy, I can go any way I want. There's no traffic. There's no problem. I can do go anywhere that I want to. There are no constraints to hedge me in. However, I want to drive is just between me and the road. So the world asked the question about Jesus. Why would I take the narrow road? <laughs> Why would I take the narrow road? This road's broad. It does not hedge me in. Your road leads me to persecution. Why take this, this road? And then we get to a third thing that Jesus talks about, and that's two groups. So we have, we have two, two gates, and then we have two roads, but now we have two groups. And we see in, the, in one of the groups, is, it's, it's a few people. He says a few will find it. Listen. Everybody in here wants to be liked. Everybody in here, including me, wants to be liked. Everybody in here wants to fit in. 
It is a difficult thing to be in the minority. But it's kind of like the old rebuttal to everyone's doing it argument. You know, when, when the kids say or whatever, everyone's doing it. Well, if everyone jumps off a bridge, are you going to jump too, right? I mean, that's, that's the age-old argument for it. It's just because everyone's saying it and everyone's doing it doesn't make it right. D.A. Carson says again, Democratic decisions do not determine truth and righteousness in the kingdom. Truth in such matters must not be sought by appealing to majority opinion. Neither can it be found by each person doing what is right in his own eyes. Rather, we find truth through God's word. That's where truth is. That's where our truth lies. Here's the point, though. That doesn't make it easy. That doesn't make it easy. Just because this is true, just because we cling to this, just because these are the very words of God, does not make it easy. Remember John chapter 15. He says, if the world hated me, guess what, brother? They're going to hate you too. I'm speaking what I'm saying right now and they hate me for it. So if you speak what I'm speaking later, they're going to hate you too. So this is just part of the problem. It's not going to be easy. It's kind of like we've all been to big events, right? We've all been to big events where there's, there's thousands of people. And, and probably, if I had to guess, most of us have been in this situation where we're leaving a big event. It's been a great night or whatever it's been, and we're leaving a big event, and then all of a sudden it dawns on us we left something in our chair. Oh, no. We left something in our chair. And so we turn around and we see thousands of people coming to run us over, right? And so we're like, okay, this, this is a difficult thing. So at this point, it becomes a, a test of value. Right? And so what do I value more? Do I value the time and effort and pain and struggle that it's going to be for me to get back to my seat? Or do I value what's still in my seat? Right? And so if it's a pair of sunglasses, you know what? I can see the sun. I'll be okay. Right? If it's my Bible, it's just going to depend which one it is. I have f- several of them. We're going we're gonna to have to make a little bit of a deal here. Okay? Me and God are just going to have to talk about it. Uh, but if it's my phone, I'm going through. <laughs> if it's my throne, I'm putting on, I mean my phone, I'm, I'm putting on my helmet and, and I'm, going, uh, I'm going through. See, but here's, here's the point. Clearly, it's easier to go with the flow. Clearly, it's easier to join the herd and go with the flow. So Jesus' command doesn't make any sense to the world. Why be with the few when you could be with the many? Why Why go with the few? It, it doesn't make sense. Why fight the crowd when you can be a part of the crowd? And if we ended here, if we just had to stop right here, if Jesus said nothing else in this passage, we would have to draw the conclusion that Jesus is wrong. We would just have to, if we stopped right here, we would just have to say Jesus is wrong. Jesus says, take the small gate, travel the narrow road, and join the minority. And it doesn't make sense. Unless, unless there's something worthwhile behind the small gate. Unless the narrow road leads to something valuable. Unless being with the few ensures some sort of reward. And Jesus then gets us to the place that he needs us to be. He says, there's not just two gates, guys. There's not just two roads, guys. There's not just two crowds, guys. But there are two destinations. There are two destinations. And he says through this gate and down this road and with that so few travel, there is life. There is life. Eternal life. 
life with Jesus. See, here's the thing. Jesus is not only our gate. And Jesus is not only our road. But Jesus is our reward. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the life. I am the reward at the end of the road. And then all of a sudden, all the pieces fall into place. Everything that didn't make sense before, all of a sudden makes a whole lot of sense. We can't see it now. That's a problem for us. We can't see it now. We can't see how squeezing through the small gate is going to benefit us. We can't see it now. We can't see uh, past the persecution on the narrow road. We can't see past the struggles we, we go through on the narrow road. And we can't help but feel alone when there are only a few scattered around beside us like Elijah. There's no one else left, right? There's, there's just that sense of loneliness. But here's the truth, guys. God sees. God sees. And Jesus says, at the end of the road, come find me. At the end of the road, come find me. Come find life. He is the beginning. He is the middle. And he is the end. Now listen. There's no doubt that the wide gate, the broad way, and the large group are easier to go through walk down and fit in. Now, there's absolutely no part, uh, no doubt about that. But Jesus says there's another destination. And that destination is destruction. I like how one commentator described destruction. He said, not merely in the sense of the extinction of physical existence, but rather of an eternal plunge into Hades and a hopeless destiny of death. When we think beyond the temporary, when we think beyond the physical we think beyond what we see right here in the here and now, we realize that there is an obvious solution. There is an obvious choice that Jesus is laying out before us. Enter into life. Enter life through Jesus. Live life with Jesus. Find life in Jesus. Listen, there's only two gates, guys. <laughs> there's only two gates. There's only two paths. There's only two groups. And there's only two destinations. Where do you find yourself tonight? Where do you find yourself? Let's pray. God, I love you. And I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, that your spirit moves. And Father, you do your thing. And God, I'm not limiting you. God, this is a salvation call. And this, salvation calls are kind of strange and far between on Sunday nights. But God, you're big. And so, God, I pray by your grace that, Lord, if you're stirring someone's heart right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they would see that there are two ways, either you or anything else, and, God, that you are the right way. You have life. And so, Father, I pray by your grace that you would reach down, grab somebody's heart, and they would come to know Jesus tonight. But I'm not limiting you, God. There's something more going on. If there's something else happening in our lives, if there's something just blowing up and, and we just need to get before you, God, and you are stirring hearts, God, I pray that you would move in that way too. And Father, that, that people would come in repentance, people would come in rejoicing, people would come however you would lead them to come. So God, we pray by your grace that you move through tonight. You show up in a powerful way in our hearts, 
through our lives. In Jesus' holy name I pray.